so thankful that you're joining me today, and I want to share a few moments on the concept of digital minimalism and what I've learned about it over this year. And even in a pandemic year when we've relied on digital life even more, there have been a couple things that have shaped me, and I want to share those with you today. Hey there, my name is Clint Benish, and I serve in Harvest Ministry and want to welcome you to the Go Harvest podcast. Before we get to today's episode with Tim Price, I want to invite you to help us spread the word. If you'll rate this podcast with five stars, write a review, and send us a note that you did on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, we want to send you one of our digital resources for free. Thank you so much for doing this. Now to Tim Price with today's episode. As we get started here today, I just want to share that um, this comes from me working on my book list for this year. Each year, over the last six or seven years now, I've um, challenged myself, started with a challenge from a, a mentor that I had one year for worship ministry, but I've challenged myself to read books almost one a week for most of the year, for the most of the last six or seven years. And most often that winds up being five to seven books a month and somewhere around 50 to 70 books for the year. And for the most part, I do that because it's motivating to me to continue to learn new ideas and new thoughts and new ways of being effective in ministry and to serve more effectively. I've also remembered the old saying that we've all probably heard that leaders are readers. And so I want to continue to grow in those skills and, and just stay with a fresh perspective on what other people are thinking as well. And I usually learn neat stuff from these books. So I'll be sharing that list soon and post it on timpriceblog.com, which, which by the way, here on a side note, is part of Harvest Ministry, but um, a few years back, we shifted it over. The blog posts related to ministry workers and ministry leaders and, and life in general to Tim Price blog because we realized it was just getting confusing between the two webs, between the websites with the blog for one thing and the website for the other. So Harvest Ministry blog or Harvest Ministry website is for music and ministry teams and conferences, and Tim Price blog is for ministry leaders and resources. I thought today I would share about this concept of digital minimalism. It's one of the books that I read this year, and it's one that's had an impact on me over the course of the year. And even though sometimes I you know, sway back and forth a little bit in terms of allowing digital life to kind of suck out uh, too much time, um, it's, it's stuck with me this year, and I've, I've done my best to add these habits and these thoughts into my regular world. Cal Newport authored this book, Digital Minimalism. I'd read another book by him a couple years back called Deep Work, which was also a fascinating book. And so here's just a couple of thoughts that I want to share today. One, we don't want social media or media in general to rob us of the really valuable things in life. Some of the stats you might have seen say that people are on or near the screen six to seven hours a day, with social media being between two and three hours of that time. And it will probably be even a larger portion in the statistics at the end of this year. And uh, the author of this book called them maddeningly, madding, maddeningly addictive. Maddeningly. Maddeningly. That's a hard word to say when you're just reading it. Maddeningly. I feel like Clint when he says words are hard. So they're addictive. And here's two reasons why it is so addictive to check your phone or your device so often. One is this intermittent positive reinforcement. 
It's an ongoing thing all day long that you sort of set yourself up for this need to actually see what else someone has said, either about you or just about things in general that you enjoy. Intermittent positive reinforcement. You really do rewire your mind and your life to need to check your phone. And some statistics say it's every six seconds we touch or pick up our device. The second reason these are so addictive is because of the need and the drive for social approval. So as an example, and not to bash Facebook because I'm on Facebook as well, but way back when, according to this book, when it was called thefacebook.com, I don't know if anybody remembers that, then you couldn't even respond with a like. It was really about just connecting with other people, making comments, and uh, just you know being engaged. And um, then they started the idea of a little like button, which was blue at the beginning when you got your little notification that somebody liked something. At some point over those years, they changed that little color of the notification button to red, kind of more of the color along the lines of an alarm, and the clicking skyrocketed overnight. And it was just unbelievable the amount of need people have to see who said what, and it just sort of sucks people in. The author says it's something like pulling a slot machine handle each time you open your device. The unpredictable number of hearts, likes, comments, and engagements draws us to our devices all day long with the power of gravity. This idea of social media kind of being able to take over our lives and and media in general, movies or whatever screen time there is, it has us believing that all the value is there. And again, I'm not against this. I'm smack in the middle of it with Tim Price blog and Go Harvest and Troll UMC World and Worship Leader Toolbox. And there are a lot of good aspects to it. And the resources are endless and it can be used wisely. But after reading this book this year, I started feeling convicted that I might be at the expense of the most valuable things in my life, addicted to checking on a personal level all these different devices and apps. I don't want to be addicted in that kind of loop at the expense of the most valuable things. I for sure don't want a news channel or a media outlet or an email subscription list or a social media app to dictate to me what is most important. And that's what I've thought about this year. When I need to spend time with family or work on serious projects or accomplish something I've needed to do at home, I don't want to have distractions derailing me. I don't want to have become a a knee-jerk reaction that I pick up my phone and just mindlessly scroll through the same stories over and over again and refreshing to see if I missed anything 45 seconds ago when I'm just waiting in a line for a matter of moments. Here's the alternative. To set your values first, then determine the amount of time you will allow your devices and apps to be available. Set your values first. When your values are clear, your choices are easy. There's a couple things I know about this. One, when we're looking at our phone, we are not available. If you're standing in line at the post office or if you're hanging out somewhere just um, waiting for something and you're staring at your phone, you're not available to greet, engage, talk, encourage, or connect with anyone around you. And they don't feel like they have the right to approach you because you are sucked in. And we all know that kind of sense. I don't do this perfectly by any stretch. I, I go back and forth, as I said at the beginning, but here are some of the things that I have done this year as a result of this book, Digital Minimalism. One, I charge my phone in the kitchen at night. 
And what I've learned is if my phone is by my bed and I wake up and I can't go back to sleep, I'll sit there and start looking at the phone, playing a game, doing this and that. I don't know what I spend, who knows how many minutes doing. And all of a sudden, um, I'm sucked in and I've started my day off badly. And I, I finally get back to sleep only to wake up too late. And then everything just spirals into um, just being annoyed kind of half the day. So I started plugging my phone in the kitchen. And for those of you like me who use it as an alarm clock, I just got on Amazon or somewhere and I bought a literally under $3 alarm clock, which is terrible. All it has is time and alarm. There's something magical almost about that. I plug my phone in the kitchen. I walk to the bedroom and all of a sudden I'm sort of free mentally as I go to sleep to either read a book, talk about something, do anything except just sit there and scroll through what I've already scrolled through all day long. Second thing that I've done this year is I have deleted and added my Facebook app as needed, which is kind of a pain in the neck, especially whenever I'm at times responsible for watching along on Facebook, doing Facebook lives for the church or for our ministry, or uh, watching the streaming service or making comments or whatever the case is. I'll often have to re-add my Facebook app in time to accomplish one of those things. But most of the time, and a lot of the times, Facebook isn't even on my phone. The little blue app isn't even there just to hit for no reason. And that has really added a buffer that allows me to say, do I need to be checking this right now? Is it worth getting on the app store, downloading it, putting in my information, and then um, sitting there just looking at it for fun? Sometimes I have done that, and it actually just allows a few more moments of clear thinking before just the addictive power of hitting the button for no reason. I unfollowed a bunch of people on Instagram was another way that I helped kind of curb this. It was nothing personal at all. It was just making it too easy for me to get sucked into everyone else's life. And of course, I'm interested in everyone else's life, but it just doesn't do me a lot of good in my own world if all I'm doing is watching everybody else live their lives on the digital platform. And so I got down to where it's pretty much just a handful of people, mostly connected to family or um, immediate family or the organizations I'm a part of. And so as a result, when I click through um, Instagram and all of a sudden I've scrolled through all the people I'm following, only takes about you know 20 seconds, and then it just goes to advertisements, which I guess they decide for you. And those get old really quick. And so once you start seeing Magic Kingdom advertisements on Instagram, you know that you're done for that time and you can set it aside. I've also learned that it's more fun, at least for me, if I am going to get on Instagram or any of the platforms just to click a bunch of likes and engage a bunch all at one time, kind of batch your time so that you're not just scrolling all day long. I also use Hootsuite and Buffer. And I know this is kind of um, you know, the opposite of getting out from digital stuff to add more platforms and apps, but it does help me to know that if I want something to go out on social media, I put it through a program. I schedule it for a certain time. And truth be told, most often if you see something come from me on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, it has been scheduled in advance. It's not always long in advance. Sometimes I'll you know, spend 30 minutes and schedule stuff for uh, seven or eight, 10 days. But it is not very often right in that very moment. A couple disclaimers. One is if you are in charge of social media for your work or you know your business or whatever the case is, 
we don't want to just make a rash decision and, you know, take it all off at the peril of, you know, trying to make a living and do what we need to do. We need to learn to add constraints and begin to decide between the critical versus what is just convenient. And that's what I've learned this year with this. During the pandemic, of course, we have uh, greatly benefited from Facebook Live and YouTube and Instagram and all the things that have allowed us to reach out to our folks in our church and through Harvest Ministry. And we've had services online and we've had afternoon devotions. And it's just been awesome to see all the different ways that the modern world has allowed ministry to continue even in this time. But I also realize, as awesome as it is, that there needs to be a balance. We can't allow that to take over the valuable things in life. The valuable things of reading and praying and teaching and coming up with creative ideas and ministry and talking with friends and family and playing games or planning for the church or taking care of things that we need to do. Those are the important things. So the first thing I learned really from this book was to set the valuable things first and then let social media fill in the gaps. And here was the second thing I want to share today. And that is the idea of low quality leisure. And so media in general, in our culture, sort of offers us a low quality leisure, binging on a show, being on social media all day long, watching movie after movie. And if you've ever spent time in front of a screen only to feel like you wasted part of your day or your life when you finally emerge, that's what the author of this book, Digital Minimalism, calls low quality leisure. It's not the kind of leisure that gets your mind flowing, energizes your relationships, or strengthens your body. And so high quality leisure does important things for us. It gives us a confidence boost. It helps us to work with our hands or to walk in nature or to spend time on a project. It allows our imaginations to surge and give our minds time to process what's going on in life. And the right kind of leisure can create uh, incredible memories that really build uh, relational bonds and open up new opportunities and dreams and help set your agenda for what you're going to do next. So of course, watching an occasional movie or checking Facebook a few minutes a day can be valuable. But again, as we just said, it must be limited. I've learned that when I'm walking on the treadmill, which isn't all that exciting, as opposed to walking outdoors, that if I watch some sort of show that lasts for the desired length of time, then I'm much more likely to stick with it longer. And so in that sense, it does help me. But for the most part, when our eyes are glued, the more we check notifications, scroll through feeds, and spend hours watching, the less control we have. It becomes hard to break away. And all of a sudden, what we think of as just vegging out for the day, or taking a Sabbath, or spending time doing what we want, is actually dictated by our addiction to social media. So what we must do to account for each moment in our lives is to carve out time for high quality leisure. And then you let other things fill in around that. You might've had these moments where you spent all day at an amusement park or all day at some sort of event or all evening at a concert with no, absolutely no time to check your phone. And you don't miss it at all because you've filled up your time. And at the end of all that, you might go back and check out and see what people said and, and let people know what you did. But your first step was creating time for high-quality leisure. Don't try to do away with low-quality leisure. Instead, 
just plan for high-quality leisure. Build something, write something, take time to think, walk, read a book, cook a new dish, visit a new place, play, talk, dream, do something other than just scroll. And that is something that motivated me this year. So I don't know what the connection is exactly. Maybe it's because partly it was a pandemic year and everything changed anyway. Or maybe it's partly because I did read this book. So just to share a couple things in terms of successes on this idea of choosing high-quality leisure. It doesn't mean high-quality in the sense of go on a cruise or go to the other side of the world for vacation, although those things are are fun and can be awesome. But high-quality leisure might be these things that we experienced this year. One, we ordered little lights for our bicycles. LED lights off Amazon didn't cost much at all. You charge them up, put them on, and every night... Toward the end of the summer and into the fall, we took a bike ride. Every night we were home, and as soon as it got dark, I know that might be a little dangerous, but we live in an area that it worked okay, and we, um, as soon as it got dark, we would take a ride on our bike, and everybody had the lights on. It looked like a little parade every single night, but it was really, really fun, and we uh, looked forward to that each day. We also took a lot more walks, sometimes a couple times a day throughout our subdivision. We bought a bike rack, which we had never done before, and took our bikes with us on several places to ride on trails and to uh, ride whenever we went camping or anything like that. Speaking of trails, we had never been on a bike trail until this year. And a couple times we rode, you know, eight, 10 mile trips, even with the youngest in our family. And it was awesome experiences just saying we had done those things. We also went camping more often this year than any other year in all of our lives together as a family. So we camped just for a couple one-nighters in the backyard type thing, but we also went camping for two and three days in actual official spots, some in cabins and some in tents. And it was really, really amazing, awesome memories. It worked for the social distancing COVID world we're in, and it also worked for high-quality leisure. A couple other things that we did was we hiked a lot more than we ever had. In addition to the walks around the neighborhood, we also hiked trails in various places in two or three different states. It wasn't a huge, you know, expense. We didn't stay the night anywhere or anything like that. We just got in our car early in the morning, picked out places close to home within a couple, two and a half hours or so, and we hiked on trails. And it was awesome and amazing sights, neat things to see great family time, opportunities to do things, and especially whenever there's no signal at all. All you can do is take some photos, but you can't do much else with the digital world. And life becomes richer because of that. We spent more time with music. We spent more time playing games. It just seemed like this year was different because of the focus on high-quality leisure. I'm saying part of this on this podcast, whether you listen all the way through or not, so that I can remind myself of the importance of these two things, to set the valuable things first and then let media fill in the tiny little gaps, not the other way around. And the second, I wanna choose high quality leisure. Just knowing these two things has made a difference in my life. So I appreciate the, the book and what I've learned from it and um, Uh, These blog posts are actually on my blog, and you can look them up if you would like to. 
And you can also, in the next week or so, take a look at the other books that I've read this year and have posted about, and I will be putting that list out very soon. So thanks again for listening to the Go Harvest podcast. I'm thankful to have you join us and thankful for your connection, listening and and, uh, sharing this, rating it, subscribing to the blog and to the podcast and to helping others find it as well. I hope you're doing great. And as we head into these next couple weeks of this season, I want to invite you to take a practical step to set media aside. Write down your main things in life first. Then you'll see a big difference in how your days go. Thanks. Thanks.